Amen. You may be seated. Thank you, team. Thanks for your thoughtful work on putting that together for us. Yeah, you can thank them. You can thank them for that. I appreciate their, their effort. They obviously don't do that for your applause. They don't perform for you, but it is always good to. I grew up in a church where if you clapped, you were in trouble. You couldn't clap for people because that was, that was bragging on people like they they're, they shouldn't be doing it. Well, you know what? Sometimes you just got to appreciate people, right? I think it's okay. We should be able to do that. So thank you. Uh, thank you for playing the box there, Aaron Cook. Uh, are you coming Tuesday or not? Because if you're not coming, I want somebody else to play it. Okay, he's going to try. He's going to try to come Tuesday night. We're going to do an acoustic set Tuesday night uh, during our pie prayer and praise. If he can't come, anybody else play the beatbox, be on standby because I want somebody to play that because we're going to come up front here. Uh, we got some singers and the, the guitars and we'll sing some songs in between testimonies. Pie prayer and praise goes like this. Uh, Benny or Benji or whatever he called himself that we're not allowed to tell. He, he might not know. The, we eat pie at the end. You can't just start eating pie. Don't show up, start eating pie. We do the pie at the end. I know it's called pie, prayer, and praise. We probably should call it praise, prayer, pry, but it sounds better, pie, prayer, praise. You don't get to eat pie till the end. You come and we worship and we sing and then we stop for a moment and give you an opportunity to share your testimony of praise, something God's been doing in your life this year. You just want to thank God for And we sing some more. It's wonderful because we're praising God and giving you a moment to collect your thoughts about what you're going to say and it works out really nice. So there's like three or four moments where you can interject a a story and then we'll stop in the middle. We pray for one another and uh, at the end of all that, after some scripture reading and praise and all that, then we enjoy pie together. And I went out this week, happened to be at Sam's Club, and I saw the, the big bin full of the whipped cream spray bottles. I'm like, gotta have those. So I got a bunch of spray whipped cream. So I don't care what kind of pie is brought, we can coat it and cover it with all sorts of godly goodness, okay? Uh, so we want you here. Piper and Praise is Tuesday night. We start at 6.30. And again, there's really no end time, but it, we're usually out of here by 8 uh, at the latest. And you come, we enjoy the service, which lasts about an hour. And then pie is just stay as long as you can and enjoy one another's company. Again, I say this, there's not a lot of opportunity that Oakwood has baked in. Get the connotation. Baked into its schedule where we just sit and, and be able to talk, you know, because we come to church and, and you come and you go. So uh, we, we encourage you to come Tuesday night. It's always an encouraging night. We missed last year's, so we're excited to have it again this year. Tuesday night, we do it Tuesday so that we don't get in your way Wednesday. Wednesday, don't get in the way. There's things happening in kitchens, and so we don't want to mess you up. Tuesday night, 6.30, we're going to have a great night. Be here for that. Uh, I want to throw out a couple other things. Uh, one is... Uh, our deacons had been working so hard, a lot of hours were put in working on this basement. We're remodeling that basement, and that involved taking a ceiling out, taking walls out, uh, having a, the floor redone, and then um, we were at the point where it was drywall, mudding, and taping so we can get it painted, and our deacons had just spent a ferocious amount of time, an awful amount of time. Actually, rightfully so, we heard that girlfriends and, and, and uh, wives were uh, not too happy with the fact that their, uh, their loved ones were spending all these hours at church. And so I just stepped in and went and hired a professional drywaller, mudder, painter, and, and uh, taper and painter. I just hired somebody. Uh, that was unexpected, but it was the right thing to do. Sometimes you do the hard thing and it's the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do to let our deacons not 
be stuck with that on their own. And so that was an extra expense, and Thanksgiving's coming. The Bible has a, a room in the, in the Israeli uh, Jewish culture for a Thanksgiving offering. We're not going to collect one physically, but if you're in a place where you could give over and above, uh, we want to make sure we take care of the budgeting items first to the church. So if you want to give toward that, we truly need about $3,000 to make sure it's all finished. Uh, if you can do that, if you want to give 100 if somebody wants to give all 3000 if three people want to give 1000 if let's see, 30 people want to give, you figure it out. We need people to give uh, some of those funds, and if you're willing to do that, there's, there's, you could put it on an envelope and write what that's for, or you can just come see myself or Jim Bongiorno or one of the staff people and, and hand that to them and say, this is for that, and we'll make sure it gets given toward that specific project. Just want to finish that and do it well. I want to thank our deacons, all the deacons. Actually, not just our deacons. Let's have the deacons. Um, I know Brian's probably on the camera. Brian, we're talking about you right now, my friend. He's in the other room on security. Uh, Brian, Jim Spezia is working around the church right now. But we had others. I know Nick Cronenberg did a lot of the electrical work. Um, who else? Help me out. Lance. Uh, Lance was helping with some of the drywall. Any of the other deacons or workers that just raise your hand and say, I was part of that work process process. A lot of work. David Dunham. Yes, thank you. David was also part of the electric. So many people putting in lots and lots of volunteer hours. Let's thank them with a round of applause. We thank you. We thank you so much. Boy, we appreciate people that just pour themselves into ministry here. And then finally, uh, Christmas is upon us. Next Sunday is going to be just a one-off Thanksgiving message. So we're going to come and talk about giving thanks to the Lord in preparation for Christmas. Uh, Thanksgiving is the great holiday that sets us up to be ready for the birth of Christ and that celebration. So we don't want to skip over it. So next Sunday will be Thanksgiving, uh, but when you come in, it'll look a little different because we're going to be all set up for Christmas. And that should remind us, uh, the series this year is called The Wonder of Christmas, restoring the wonder, recapturing the wonder of Christmas. It's going to be a great series, the wonder of a star, the wonder of a name, the wonder of a manger. We're going to be talking about all these things. It all culminates on our Christmas Eve service. We'll have two services on December 24th, one at two o'clock and one at four o'clock. And uh, it's going to be all about the wonder of Christmas. Now on the New Year, on the Christmas Eve service, we are going to ask you to, to uh, make an RSVP. Nothing Nothing to do with COVID. No, everybody say no. It had nothing to do with COVID. It's simply that we have two services, and without any kind of sign up for knowing who's going to which, we could end up with 500 at one and 20 in the other. We can't do that. So uh, sign up, have your friends sign up for that. We'll have slots available, and you can just make sure your spots are reserved, and we can make sure we spread out those two services. Two o'clock, four o'clock on Christmas Eve. But we need you to spread the word. During this whole last year-ish time of COVID, we've been kind of just trying to make sure we're doing church and our people are, are either online or in person, but it's time to break out of that mode now and invite people. It's time to be an inviting church. It's time to open up and say, bring your family, bring your friends, bring your coworkers. Christmas is the perfect time of year to do that. We have 500 of these professionally made uh, invite cards. It's the wonder of Christmas on the front, and then it talks about what that series is about, and it gives a map and who we are and where to find us and how to come. We we encourage you to every family to take at least two or three of these today. They're on the oak, 
on your way out, you can grab those and uh, invite some people. Uh, you got two weeks. This week is Thanksgiving, and then the week after that, December 5th, is actual the start of our Christmas, the one of Christmas series. Hopefully I made that all clear. Hey, it's good to see some of our college students home. I hope I didn't miss anybody, but I see uh, Nina and I see Shane. Good to see you too. Anybody else? Anybody our college students home that I didn't see? We go, oh, we got another one there. We got one in the front row too. Awesome. Anybody else? Another college student? Don't want to miss anybody, but I saw those faces. I got to see you a couple weeks ago. Two of them. We got students. I just love it when they're home. Don't you love it when they're home for Thanksgiving, Christmas? I love it to see them. So say hi to our, our students that are home today and welcome them with us. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Would you say this prayer, God, since there's something for me to hear, I'm willing to listen. Can you give that prayer? God, since there's something you want me to hear, I'm willing to listen. God, I pray that you'd be glorified today, that the people hearing this message would be edified and that Satan would be horrified. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. We're wrapping up the book of 1 Thessalonians. Meet me there. Open up your Bibles or get a gadget out and let's get to the book of 1 Thessalonians. We're in chapter 5. You meet me there and we'll be ready to talk about this last chapter. Could have been, could have been separated out for a couple of weeks, but we're going to wrap it all up today. Uh, so many good things we're learning about 1 Thessalonians and what there is there for us. Holiness and hope in a hostile world. I'm sorry, I did that. It wasn't the tech, it was the evil pastor now. There you go. Holiness and hope in a, uh, no, I don't know, it's still not there. It, that's pretty, but it's not my message. It's open up week six in uh, the 21 folder, this week's message, week six, and that's where it'll be found. That's the title of this whole series, Holiness and Hope in a Hostile World. I'll tell you the key verse, it's First Thessalonians 5. Verse 23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Thessalonians 5 and 23. And you've seen that little slide that I've had up all the whole series long that says following Jesus produces a countercultural, holy way of life. Everybody say Holy. Holy means coming out and being separate, different. We're different than everybody else. My wife's been saying this. I don't know why she's been saying this all this week. She remembered Pastor Spencer, our former pastor. He'd always say, the moment you accept Christ in your heart, you're not just one of the girls anymore. You're not just one of the boys anymore. You, you'll never be just one of the guys or one of the girls. You're different. You've been set apart, called to be holy. And we've been uh, set to follow Jesus, producing a countercultural holy way of life that responds to hostility with love and generosity that is motivated by hope in the coming kingdom of Jesus. That's where we're at. And this morning, uh, this, this gives us the, uh, uh, the idea of walking with each other, walking with others. It's about Christian community today in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 28. Let me read the context and then we'll make some comments on it. Are you with me? Everybody say yes, PD. 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 through 28. Now, we ask you, brothers and sisters, there's that familial. Again, he's always bringing that in there, reminding them they're a family. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, 
Brothers and sisters, again, he's, he's really laying that on thick. Warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. Greet all the God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. There we go again. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What did you see? You you probably saw a lot until the word holy kiss showed up, and now you're all thinking about what's that? Who's thinking about the holy kiss? What's this holy kiss? I'll talk to you about it if you wait till the end. All right, let's go. Let's get into the message. First thing I got to point out is Paul's wrapping up this letter to a church He's letting them know that the Christian life is not meant to be solitary, but a shared life. This is not a solo prospect. (laughs) Being a Christian is not an individual approach. It's a body approach. We're in the body of Christ. We do this together. Everybody say together. We're not on our own, but we're in it together. We can't be the church by ourselves. You can't be. You can't leave here by yourself on your own and say, I am the church. You are part of the church, you are part of the body, but you're not alone. Remember when Paul says, uh, the eye can't say to the hand and the nose can't say to the foot, you know, we're all, well, that's the point. God has gifted you individually, but it takes all of you together to be the church. That's why I always remind our people, people always say, we don't have enough of this, we don't have enough workers, we don't have enough volunteers, we don't have enough, yes, we do. We might not be inspiring them to get out of the pews and get into the work field, but, but we have enough. God has given the church everything it needs, and it's because we are the body. Some are eyes, some are hands, some are heat, feet, some of y'all are ears and noses, but all together, we're complete. You can't be the church by yourself. We need each other. This is going to be the worst message. I have one speech impediment. I can't say each other. It drives me nuts. I always say shudder. I just, I just, can I just, can you give me a pass today? Are there English teachers here? Get over it, English teachers, all right? I didn't do well in school, and I'm definitely not going to do well today. I can't say, I have to stop and think each time and say each other. I'd rather say shudder. So live with it. So we need each other. Some of y'all are ears, some of y'all slur your speech. We need each other. We belong to each other. We are for one another. And we should be together. Worship together, learn together, serve together, witness together. It's about being together in the body of Christ. And I believe that's why Paul keeps saying brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters. It's a specific word he uses of endearment that we are family. Do you ever think of this word illness? You've heard it said before, there, uh, uh, there is no I in team. And then, of course, smart Alex say, yes, but there is in win. But, you know, when it comes to the church, we need to take the I out of illness and we should replace it with a we. And you know what you can get? You can finally get to wellness. You can get to wellness 
if it's we, not I. If you refuse to be a we and you stay a solo I, you're going to stay in illness. You need the church. We need each other. And so together, we're a together community. We're a led community. We're a caring community. We're a worshiping community. We're a holy community. I'll put those back up for those firstborn who are writing their notes furiously. We're a led community, a caring community, a worshiping community, and a holy community. It's a together community, and we need each other. So let's get into this passage. The first section, I'm just going to give a disclaimer. I'm just going to say it. Uh, It's not my fault. I have to talk to you about your wonderful leaders, but it's not me. Okay, I'm going to tell you what Paul says about respecting your leaders, but I know that it would be easy for you to say, ah, man, self-serving pastor. I always preach the text that's set before me. Sometimes I'm uncomfortable about what I have to preach. This is one of those moments where I'm talking about myself. I'm talking about your elders, and it can seem self-serving, but it's not. I'm just going to give you what Paul says. You can reject it. You can walk out of here today and say, yeah, but we got a PD. So all of that's mute. We are exempt from following God's word because PD is PD. You can say that if you'd like. God bless you. You're in trouble. (laughs) How to live at peace with the leaders. We're a led community. How do you live at peace? God set up the church. If you've got issues with leadership and authority, take it up with God. But God set up a structure for the church, just like he set up a structure with the family. Some of y'all have problems with the family. Who's, who's the head? Who's the, and all these issues come up because we're in a society now, I'm going to be very honest with you, who does not honor leaders and does not take authority well. And I know why. It's because authority has been abused and mistreated. People that are subject. And that's the problem we're living in. It exists. Today, it's an awful time to be a police officer. I have a son-in-law who's a police officer. It's unbelievable the disrespect that's given to officers of law who we used to revere. We're living in a culture today, and and some of it gets deserved because of politics and the vitriol that we have going on on both sides, that disrespecting authority is commonplace. But God's place is a different place, amen? And he tells you about your leaders. I'm going to tell you, your leaders aren't perfect. They're people. But here's what God says in his scripture. Paul's teaching the church and he says, acknowledge them, respect them. In that term that he uses, there's a, a, an idea of knowing, know your leaders. I'm just one of several leaders at Oakwood. You have a board of elders who I'm one of. I'm not overseeing. I don't even have a position of authority on that team. I'm just one of six, I believe we have. Your elders, you should know them, respect them, acknowledge that they're the leaders, And then he uses the term highest regard or revere them, value them, value your leaders. There's that term revere, and I want to say this carefully. Um, I'm an ordained minister, so in front of my name comes the tag reverend. I've earned that tag. I had to go through some training and some, I had to go through some testing and I actually had to be given that status, but I am reverend. But we know We know that the Bible makes it clear, and it's actually in Matthew, in the book of Matthew 23, verse 8, one is your master, all are your brothers. So we don't ask you to call me Reverend Jackson. You don't have to call me Dr. Jackson, which you shouldn't because I'm not one. You don't have to call me Pastor Jackson. These are kind things, 
but they're not expected. Ben actually said, don't call me Benji, he said. Uh, he said, I'm Pastor Ben, but you can call me Ben. You can feel free to call me Don. Uh, this is not exactly what this passage is talking about. In some churches, this is a big deal. You only call your pastor Dr. So-and-so or Reverend So-and-so. I remember the, the day I was ordained and given the title Reverend, my mother-in-law gave me that. You probably heard me say that before. It's a beautiful stack of thank you cards and envelopes that was gold etched. And it says at the top, the right Reverend Don Jackson Jr. Literally, it says the right Reverend. I'm like, who am I going to send that to? Anybody I send that to is going to go, <laughs> they're probably still in a drawer somewhere. The sentiment was great, but you know what? Honestly, I understand. And I don't ask you to call me Reverend Jack. I don't ask you to call me Pastor Don. Actually, I came here with the, the moniker of PD, and I like that because students would call me PD. And honestly, that gives a little bit of a respect because P stands for Pastor, D stands for Don. I'm fine with PD. So just so you know, as a church, you can call me Don, or you can call me PD, or you can call me Al, or whatever you want to call me. You can call me that. That's not what this means. Revere them. Revere them simply means value them. Just value your leaders. Third thing is live at peace. Some people might take that verse out. It's at the end of verse 13. It says, hold them to the highest regard and love because of their work, period. Live in peace with each other. I honestly believe it means what it means there in this context of revering your leaders. Live in peace by respecting who's in authority. Live in peace. Refuse to create factions. Friends, I've said this before. It is so easy to be contrary. It is so easy to lead a rebellion. I'm actually a little hypersensitive about authority and leadership because I know how under attack it is in all realms. And when I watch any kind of news, uh, it doesn't matter which brand I'm watching, I'm typically trying to defend somebody in leadership, uh, some kind of authority, because I understand what it's like to be in front and to lead and to just take, people take pop shots, pop shots. It's easy to rebel. It is easy to lead a rebellion. If you want to lead today a rebellion against your leaders of your church, let me tell you, it'll be easy. Just, just start talking and gather a group, and boy, everybody's going to have something bad to say. It's easy. Try to lead a church. Try to lead a church someday. That's not easy. But you can lead a rebellion. I think that's why Paul said that in this context to follow your leaders. Live at peace. Are you peacemakers at Oakwood? We've had people that have left. I'm sure they don't have great things to say about me. I'm sure they don't have great things to say about our elders. It would be easy to find uh, what they're upset about and take sides. But we don't get to defend ourselves. And Paul recognizes that. And Paul says, respect your leaders. Revere them. Honor them. Understand who they are. And here's why. I love it. He gives reasons why. He says they're sent by God. The leaders you have were sent by God. So if there's an issue, you can take it up with him. And they labor hard. They labor hard. I, I, won't, I, I wanted to, but I won't go there. I wanted to explain what it's like to lead a church and the issues that come up. If you only knew. If, if I could give you what I deal with in a month's time frame and what ends on the elder's desk to talk about in our Tuesday night meetings. If I could give you just one month of the issues that we are presented with and say, now here's a job description. How would you like to do that? None of y'all are going to run for that job. You got to be called to it. They labor hard. They care for your soul. They admonish you. 
And, and that's got to be a weird thing that Paul brings that up. Why bring that up, Paul? Uh, people that are admonished don't normally want to revere or, or uh, like their leaders. But you know what? He says that's something they have to do. They have to alert you. They have to warn you. They have to correct you. I don't enjoy it. Uh, some people are confrontational. I, I don't enjoy it. If I've ever had to talk to you about something that's very serious and say something about uh, correcting you according to, it's not comfortable for me. and I know it's not comfortable for you. Nobody enjoys that, but I'm called to that. And as your pastor, like I said, even now I'm talking about leaders and I'm uncomfortable with that because I am a leader. I still do it because that's what was brought before me. And that's what has to happen. So that's why you care for your leaders. I'll end that section and just say thank you for caring for your leaders. I believe that in, in most parts you're a thankful church. You're a gracious church. I appreciate, I appreciate you not accepting factions and not taking sides. It's so easy. Don't do it. So you live at peace with the leaders of the church, but then you also live at peace with one another. He moves into verse 14 and 50. We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, disruptive, encourage the disheartened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. The church is a place where the rich, the poor, the old, the young, the single, the married, the divorced, every person is involved in the life of the church. So church, how do we treat children here? How do we treat the elderly here? How do we treat new people here? Uh, The Bible says the sign of the saved is a love for the least. And that's how our church will be measured. How are we loving people that aren't like you? Maybe you have a different color or a different cultural or a different socioeconomic background. How are we doing, church? And Paul deals with that here. He says, live at peace with one another. Here's six ways that we can church effectively. I'm using church as what, a verb there? I don't know what it is, but it's something. How do you church? How do you church? How are you churching? Is that okay? How are you churching? I'm going to say each other and churching today. Six ways to church. Number one, he said, admonish the idol. Now, is that simply lazy? No, it's actually not. It's what I would call not a great translation uh, for this actual word. The actual word is disorderly. In the one I read for you, the version I read for you, it added disorderly because the word idle isn't clear. It says those who are idle and disruptive. It's not just admonishing or warning lazy people. This is, this is actually confront the people who are disruptors, who are disorderly. We don't do a good job of that. We typically let it run its course, and we don't defend ourselves as a church. But the Bible says, don't let people be disorderly. Don't, don't do that. Admonish them. Encourage the faint-hearted. The word for faint-hearted there actually means small-souled. People with small souls, they're weak. We got to encourage them. Are we stepping in the gap for people who don't think they have much to give? Everyone has something to give. Then it says, help the weak. We've got to help the weak. How do you do that? We step up and, and serve uh, yesterday, a great thing happened, and I just want to make a big to-do out of it, and it, it was called Mom's Day Out. Uh, moms, how many moms got to enjoy a little bit of time? And a dad or two, maybe two, right? yeah? Uh, we're glad for you. One of the things that my wife told me as she was checking ladies in was that some moms said they hadn't been away from their children in over six months. 
I'm like, my goodness, we might need to set up a babysitting account or something to help you parents out. Some people would say, Mom's Day out. There might be critics out here saying, why would you do that? Why would you do that ministry? You know what? Because it helps some people. And I think we ought to be all about that as a church. How can we step up and help some people? Who's the people that came to watch the kids so the moms can go out? Raise your hand. Now, there's some heroes for you. Thank you. Thank you. Look at that. Appreciate you guys who came, watched other people's kids so that some other people could go out and have a breath. Help the weak, help the faint-hearted. We ought to be ministering. That's why we ought to fill that thing with paper goods for fish so that people that are, are struggling can, can get paper products that they need. We, there's lots of ways that we can help, and that's what we're to do. Paul is telling this young church, do these things. This is how you church. Church it. Church. Get churching. Be patient with everyone, Paul says. Now, right there, I, I'm just going to tell you, there will be faults, failings, and misunderstandings. Can I promise you that? Can I give you a money-back guarantee right now? I promise you, you will find faults, failings, and misunderstandings. You will. Uh, as far as I know, this church is made up of people. Everybody say people. And whenever you got people and you put them together, you're going to find three things. Faults, failures, and misunderstandings. I would encourage you as a pastor then, be patient with everyone. As Paul said to them, hey, young church, you're going to find out that these brothers and sisters I keep talking about, this great family you're in, they're like literal brothers and sisters. They'll drive you nuts. They'll do things and say things. And oh my goodness, people get upset and they leave the church because they found a fault. Really? People get upset and leave a church because they felt like they got failed. Really? People get upset and they leave a church because there's a misunderstanding. They didn't stop and have the patience to ask. Ask. So when you hear something that, that sounds like Jim Bongiorno and Pastor Don got together and had a satanic occult meeting and, and, and conjured Satan's wrath upon you, would you stop for a moment and think, that doesn't sound like Jim Bongiorno. It might sound like pastor, but it doesn't sound like Jim. You know, if half the things that were said about me were true, it would be awful. Just half. Think. Be patient with everyone, brothers and sisters. So we're patient enough to think the best first. We're going to think the best before we assume the worst. And we're going to maybe ask can you clarify this? This happened. And we could probably tell you, yes, that did happen. And can I tell you, after months of meeting with elders and crying and prayer and seeking wisdom, we made this decision. Be patient. And then here's why he just keeps flowing. I love how Paul just keeps flowing. He then gives you an answer for what do you do? Occasionally, there's going to be gossip and angry words, some bad words, some promises broken. You could even be a buildup of resentment. All these things are true in the church. So what do you do? He says, good, it's going to happen. Do not repay wrong with wrong. Don't repay wrong with wrong. You never have the right to say, oh, that's it. I'm done. We're going to go at it. 
That's it. Yeah, I might be a Christian, but now I'm ticked off, so you're going down. Yeah. No. Christians don't go all karate kid on people. He says, don't pay a wrong for a wrong. And there actually might have been a wrong. I love how Paul doesn't deny that that's a possibility. You might have been wrong, but don't repay wrong with wrong. Instead, he says, strive to do what's good for everyone. Strive to do what's good for everyone. We're to live at peace with the elders, the leaders of the church. We're to live at peace with one another, and we're to live at peace with God. How do you church? He gave you how to church with one another. How do you walk with God? He gives eight ways. That's why I said this could have been three separate messages, but we're finishing it today. Eight ways to walk with God. Rejoice always. The first thing is be people of joy. You know, it's hard to get all up karate kid on somebody if you're a happy, joyful person. I have not met a happy, joyful person who wants to come up and knock me down in the head, right? Rejoice. Be filled with joy. How many old school people are there that went to church when I was a kid and we sang the song? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. No, you didn't go to the same church I went to. We clapped twice. It was a Baptist church, but that one song, you could clap twice. Only twice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice, rejoice. And again, I say rejoice. Is that the first time you heard that? Have you never heard that song before in your life? You just heard it now. Rejoice continually. Sing it with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say re- rejoice, rejoice, and again I say rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. See, I'm going somewhere with this, because back in my day when we were kids, we sang songs, but songs that were supposed to be done continually were put into a round, like the annoying kids on the bus, the wheels on the bus go round. Okay, we do things in a round. And so we're going to start with you this morning. And when I point at you, you start in. I'll try to help you, but I'm going to try to help them. And then I'm going to point at you and you start in. Let's see how messy this could get. You with me? Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say re. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Always and again I rejoice in the Lord. Always and again I say rejoice, rejoice, Lord. Always and again Everybody. Oh yeah, stop. Because that group started going faster. I heard you. It was Aaron. Aaron Click started. The drummer started saying, "Let's get this thing happening." I love that. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> we got the lights going and everything this morning. We wave it in the air like we just don't care. All right. I love that because that song, y'all are smiling. Why? Because that's kind of, it's, whoever wrote that did a good job of capturing joyfulness in a round. It goes forever and it just brings spirit to your life, right? And God says, Christians, rejoice always. 
And then he says, pray continually. I love Pastor Brian Spencer, my mentor, who just constantly lived in prayer. Literally, all day long, as you're talking to him, he'd go in and out of conversation with God. We'd be talking around the table and talking about something, and he'd be looking at you right in the eyes, and he'd say, oh, that's so wonderful. Father, be with him today. Bless his life. Give him strength and courage. I'm like, whoa, he just busted in prayer. He'd do that when he's driving. He'd be driving, and he'd start, oh, and I, I'd always look over to make sure he kept his eyes open. <laughs> I was always worried about that. He'd go in and out of prayer and conversations. He'd literally be like, God, you've got to help the doctors because this person could die today. We need help. We need it rescued. Are we going to Burger King or are we going to go to McDonald's? I mean, you talking to God or me? I don't, he just literally could just, and, and, and what a great example of somebody who literally understood he was in a relationship with God as real as me and you are flesh and blood together. He could be talking to you and talking to God all at one time, and it was beautiful and real. And God says, rejoice always, pray continually, help the weak. He brings it up again, by the way. Isn't that interesting? In your relationship with brothers and sisters, you help weak. But then when you're leading to God, how do you do that? You help the weak. See, it's how you church, but it's also how you religion. It's how you church, but it's how you walk. God sees it. Give thanks in all circumstances. My wife and I got debating this last night, and she wins quite often. She's like, really, are we supposed to give God thanks for everything? And, and again, I said, well, wait, it says give thanks in all circumstances. Let's not be foolish to the world. I think we can give thanks in every circumstance. You don't necessarily have to give thanks for every circumstance. If there's a terrible car accident that takes place, you don't say, oh, I'm so thankful, God, that this car accident happened. No, be thankful in a terrible situation. It's okay, Christian, to call things bad. It's okay to to say that crash was horrible, that was awful. But I still have breath in my lungs. I still know that I'm saved and redeemed. I still know that there's a hope in the future. Even in a terrible situation, I can give thanks for the good things. So let's not look foolish to the world. Don't go around thanking God for tragedy. Thank him in the tragedy. Does that make sense? I don't know if you're with me or not. Give thanks in all circumstances. You go to God and you say, I can still be thankful. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're just talking to somebody this week, Sheila. It was Sheila. I'm just going to tell you, it was Sheila. Uh, sh- we were talking about, there she is. We were talking about how things come up and just situations come to your mind. As a believer, when something just comes to your mind, you've got to be careful. Is that the Holy Spirit telling you? Well, if something comes to mind, then don't, don't quench the Spirit. Pray. If somebody comes to mind and it's concerning you, give them a call. You ought to just, we ought to just love each other and brothers and sisters say, man, you were on my mind last night and I couldn't help but think of something going on. Do I need to be praying for something specifically? That's not weird. That's living as children of the king whose spirit prompts us. So let's live through those. Don't quench the spirit. If you feel felt uh, uh, urged by the spirit to, to serve, don't quench the spirit. Come and volunteer. If you feel led by the Spirit to give, don't quench the Spirit. Come and, and re- release those finances to the Lord. If you, if you feel led by the Spirit to do something or to, uh, whatever it is, don't let us not be a church that quenches the Spirit, but let the Spirit have its way. Do not despise preaching. 
I know it says prophecy there, but in the context of what we're talking about, it, it's not just uh, saying, I believe this is going to happen in the future. In this context, it's somebody taking God's word and prophetically giving God's word. Don't despise preaching, but test it. This is the tough one. Like I said earlier, it's easy to lead a rebellion. It's easy to find something you don't like. It's easy to critique. You are called to critique, but not be a critic. Does that make sense? Don't be critical, but definitely critique. Test all things according to God's word and make sure they're true. Don't despise preaching. Put it in its proper spot and admire the preaching of God's word. And then hold on to what's good. This could be in the context of the previous statement of, of when there's preaching is giving, hold on to what's good. Get rid of what's not good. Or it could stand alone saying, hold on to what's good and get rid of what is evil. Abstain from any form of evil. Whether you connect it with the preaching or whether you separate it, either way, it's a good thing. When the preaching of the word happens, grasp it and live it. If there's something there that doesn't meet the test, it goes against God's word, then you get rid of that. It's not from the Lord. But in life in general, hold on to what is good. Finally, brother, whatever's true, whatever's just, whatever's noble, whatever's lovely, lovely, whatever's of good report, think on these things. Good, everybody say good. Let's hold on to it. The things that are not good, those things that are determined to be evil, we get rid of those things. Growing up, uh, that was one of the favorite verses. Uh, every time evil appears, somehow that, uh, that, that verse is translated, every time evil appears, and then they could fill out then what evil was. So anytime you want to go to the bowling alley, that's evil because it appears evil to me. We couldn't go to movies, right? Because if you went into a movie theater, there might be a bad movie playing. And so that's the appearance of evil. You're going into a... You know what? The Bible doesn't say abstain from everything that somebody says they think is wrong. That's called legalism. The Bible says appear from, uh, you need to abstain from evil when it shows up. <laughs> so, so don't be waiting for somebody to tell you and determine for you what is good and what is evil. You're supposed to learn to discern. Learn to discern what is good. Hold on to that. What is evil? Get rid of it. Are you learning to discern as as the Christian? And then uh, I got to wrap it up. It's time. Verse 23, may God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's been our theme verse the whole time. The one after it says, the one who calls you is faithful and he will do it. Whew, everybody say, Whew. You get to this, all this, there's a lot of instruction today. There was, there's a lot to take home and chew on today. And the good news is Paul kind of said, and don't worry about it, he will do it. <laughs> Whew. I don't have to be perfect at all this stuff. It's God's church. He will clean up his church. He'll purify his church. He'll make his church effective. He will do it. He will keep you blameless and, and your, your spirit, soul, and body. And then it closes with brothers and sisters, familial love again, pray for us. Greet all of God's people with a holy kiss. I charge you before uh, the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers and sisters. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. You stuck with me to the end. Should we be kissing each other? No. <laughs> COVID and stuff, come on. What's, what's meant by this? Culturally, in their gatherings, they did a kiss. 
there was a common greeting. If you've traveled, any, any international travelers, you'll learn that, that different cultures do things differently. My first time to a church in Brazil, man, I'm telling you, uh, showed up and the beautiful Brazilian ladies, as soon as you walked in, they're like, oh, obrigado, boa noite, boa noite, and all kissing, kissing on both sides. I'm like, I can go to church. This is good stuff. And then the guy walked in, he's like, hey, I'm oh. Yeah, yeah, whiskers and I mean, I'm like, seriously, I'm like, no, no, no. But in their culture, you greet everybody. Everybody greeted each other with the holy kiss. And it was a side to side. Culturally, we don't do that. Can I just say I'm not, you're some of y'all like, he's going to resurrect it. No, I'm not. I don't want to go there. But there ought to be a greeting and it ought to be for everybody. You see what Paul did here was he said, greet everybody with the holy kiss. His instruction wasn't not about the, in the, it wasn't about that. His instruction was, the way we do things, you do that for everybody. You, you greet everybody, because we're all equal, amen? The, the, the slave or the free, the bond, the, the servant, the, the head, the, the leader, the elder, uh, all these, we're all brothers and sisters in Christ, so leave nobody out. So can I, can I maybe call for the holy fist bump? Yes. Can we have a holy fist bump? Maybe that's it. Do you guys remember our greeting from my first series? Anybody remember? You do remember, Rod. You get points today. Yeah, thrive, right? Uh, The roots go deep and the tree goes tall. I don't know what we're going to do. Make it a bump, make it a handshake, but avoid the kiss thing. But hey, we need to make sure that everybody is equal. And we greet everyone equally. Everybody is part of the family. There is no class structure here. Amen? Amen. Stand with me. Band, uh, go ahead and come up, band, just to do the, can you do Glorious Day, would you? Come on up and get ready to do Glorious Day, but I'm going to send this out because I'm over time. Make sure you come back next week, or Tuesday night, 6.30 for Pie Prayer Praise, and then come back next Sunday for our Thanksgiving message, and stop at the Oak on your way, grab a handful of these cards, give them out this next couple, two weeks, to invite people to come to the wonder of Christmas. Let me pray a blessing on you. I'm going to go back to that verse. Let me read that verse as the benediction today. May God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. May you go in peace. God bless. Have a great day.